Hello and welcome into NCBI's Technology Podcast. This is episode number 26 for July 2014. Very nice to be back with you again. My name is Stuart Lawler. Hope you're going to enjoy the next 47 or so minutes of our podcast because this month it's a packed show. Mark McGuinness, Director of the Centre for Inclusive Technology at NCBI, is with us to talk about how we use our mobile phones. I'm introducing you to a new web service called Blindy.tv. We meet Dr. Ganesh Ramachandran from the Institute of Art, Design and Technology in Dunleary and we stargaze a little into the future of technology. We have news snippets in including a final reminder about our seminar with Eric Damery of Freedom Scientific on the 18th of July. And finally, Dave Nason is here with a general GPS update and introduces us to the new RNIB Navigator app. That's all coming up on this month's edition of NCBI's Technology Podcast. As always, thank you very much for downloading and subscribing to our monthly technology podcast. It's worth reminding you of the number of ways you can listen to us, including uh, the RSS feed, which you can subscribe to using your podcast client of choice, or directly, of course, from the NCBI website. And don't forget, we're also being carried by Zero Talk through iBlink Radio, uh, their iBlink Radio app, which is available for Android, iOS, and I believe the new uh, Firephone OS, uh, which is, I think, some kind of collaboration with Amazon. It's something I don't know a lot about. We'll have to find out about it and talk about it on a future podcast. Um, iBlink Radio have just released a new version of their app, and one of the things they allow you to do now is to download content for offline listening. So you can download, um, for example, this podcast uh, and bring it with you if you're going on an airplane or something. And you can also download, if you have a subscription to the SA Mobile Network, um, any of their thousands of audio described movies so um it's a really really good move in that and uh, congratulations to zero tech for that now uh, the email address is technologypodcast.ncbi.ie we love to hear from you and someone who got in touch a regular contributor and always nice to hear from him he's a true gentleman is sean cassidy and he says thank you for the june podcast which i found most enjoyable and informative as useful the feature on the benefit course is just wonderful as it's giving individuals computer skills and additional communication options with family and friends. I'm interested in getting the new Victor Reader stream, and I'm wondering, can I purchase this through the NCBI, or would I have to go to Humanware? And he says, I'm just wondering when the feature on the iMac will be coming on the magazine. I've had the iMac since Christmas, and it's been sitting at home because it's proven to be a lot more difficult about what keystrokes are necessary to perform certain transactions and connect to the internet, etc. Many thanks for your two years of hard work. Uh, Kind regards, Sean Cassidy. Sean, thank you so much for getting in touch with us. Um, To answer your questions, first of all, you can purchase the Victor Reader stream directly from NCBI. So give us a call and ask for Colin Kenny, and he'll be able to help you with that. And we are discussing the uh, Apple iMac, or rather Apple features, I suppose, Apple computer features, Mac OS features, that's what I was looking for, uh, with Kerry Doyle, and uh, hope to start bringing those to you very shortly. Uh, we've been quite busy with other things, uh, in, well, Kerry has, but we're hoping that she's going to do some work on those shortly, and we will have our Mac OS tutorials in the next couple of months. Once again, to remind you, if you want to get in touch with us, the email address is technologypodcast at ncbi.ie.
You're listening to NCBI's Technology Podcast for July 2014. And you won't be surprised to know, of course, that so many of us nowadays are using smartphones and we expect more and more from our mobile phone. So much so, indeed, that NCBI's Centre for Inclusive Technology decided to do a little bit of research to find out just what we're using our phones for. I'm delighted once again to be joined by CFIT's Director, Mark McGuinness. Welcome back, Mark. Oh, hi, Stuart. Great, Great to, to be back. Great to have you back on the podcast. It's been a little while. Um, th- this is very interesting findings from your survey. First of all, maybe just tell us a bit about the survey and what, what drove you to do this. Um, well, if we're going to be providing services um, to people around technology, we have to know what people want from the technology and what people need from us, for instance, in terms of um, skills they need to learn, what they want to do with this thing so that we can help them in the best way. Uh, so basically we want a, a, a data-driven approach to services, really, an evidence base for deciding do we put our efforts in this direction or that direction. How many people in total did you, did you speak with? The, we spoke to 49 service users, just over half of those were smartphone users and half were non-smartphone users because obviously both types of phones are still very important. And we spoke to um, a lot of the... Um, technology training staff in NCBI, some of course of whom are also users, um, are vision impaired users themselves. Okay, let's maybe look first of all, because I thought it was interesting that the non-smartphone users are using, I think you describe it in your survey, a range of Nokia uh, devices seem to be very popular. And um, I know my own dad, I'm sure he won't mind me saying this, transitioned from a Nokia that was I think 13 years old to an iPhone last year and still loves his Nokia. So there's clearly a love for those button phones around still there is there's um a lot of um non-smartphone users would not want to switch to a smartphone despite having actually um used them um apparently um, according to our survey all of the non-smartphone users are aware of smartphones so it's not a case that they don't know that they exist um 65 percent have even considered buying them and about half have tried them uh, but more than half of those that have tried them actually expressed negative opinions about them. So not everybody likes them. And do you think that's because maybe people find the learning curve does not offset the, what they're going to get from it, or some people just want to be able to make and take calls when they're on the move and do it efficiently? Both. Some people don't really need the features of the smartphone because fundamentally it's a computer, isn't it? Mm. And often um, the phone might even be the worst part of the computer. Okay. Suddenly with my old Apple, the, the phone is um, is not as good as the old phone that I bought the Apple to replace. Yeah. But of course it's got all the apps. Um, but yeah, so there's, there's two things, people not needing a smartphone, but there's also uh, doubts about the accessibility of smartphones was um, has actually influenced the decision not to buy one for 65% of non-smartphone users so that's quite serious people think that they're inaccessible yeah and i suppose maybe people think that they're going to be a lot less accessible than what they have at the moment which is working well for them yes and even people who do buy smartphones we found that 96 percent of users cited accessibility as the most important factor when choosing a model sure phone i think i'd subscribe to that myself so let's look at smartphones themselves. Probably no surprises in your survey again. And sorry to the Android people listening, iPhone was well ahead, right? Oh, yes, definitely, yeah. Um, it was 86% and 14%. Using, using so Android, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then I suppose people who were using smartphones, again, probably no surprises that the, the, age, the, 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 the age group 
you know, a little bit younger using smartphones? Yes, definitely younger um, smartphone users. The median age was 35 to 44, whereas non-smartphone users, it was 55 to 64. Okay. So that's quite a difference. So what sort of stuff are people doing with their smartphones? What did your respondents tell you they're doing? Well, interestingly, it's people are more likely to use apps than they are to use websites for th- Things like, you know, very famous websites that are well used like Facebook, YouTube, etc. People definitely prefer the apps. Um, In terms of the apps, Facebook and TuneIn Radio are the most popular. Now, I would say at this point, the survey was slightly biased towards um, blind users who use text-to-speech. It was about 70% of the smartphone users who responded to the survey used text-to-speech. Um, so it may be different for people with a low vision. Um, the other most popular apps are social media, um, like, like Twitter, other things like that. All the audiovisual things, as well as tuning radio, you've got audio books, you've got um, iBooks, RTE player, podcasts, things like that. And then there's one-to-one communications, like you know Skype and FaceTime, and, and lastly travel and navigation. So you've got the Dublin bus app, is quite popular. What about some of the, the specialist apps? I mean, we've talked previously on, on this podcast, for example, about Blind Square, Flexi, those kind of apps. Do they feature? They do feature, but, um, you know, Blind Square did feature, so, you know, Ariadne GPS, Navigon, mm. things like that. People mentioned them, but um, not a lot compared with the social media and the audiovisual. Okay. Okay. Um, One thing that struck me when I read your findings this morning uh, was that uh, there's a higher percentage of males using smartphones, Mark, than females. Did that? (laughs) Was that interesting for you? No, that wasn't interesting at all. (laughs) It's exactly what I would have expected. Um, They're still in the techie category. Guys like gadgets, I suppose. Guys like gadgets. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so what 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 happens with this data? What what do you 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 know you guys obviously you, you wanted to find out in this information you have it now. What do you thinking or what does this mean for CFIT or or where do you see this going in the future? Um, Well this is the kind of thing that can like I say inform our our, um, technology trainers and the people who support Um, and also the the idea of what technology we support it used to be very easy I suppose for NCBI because there was a few technologies around and they were generally called assistive technologies Mm. and this is what people wanted to have and wanted to know how to use now that's all changed even in this survey we found that the most popular apps were not the so-called assistive apps assistive technologies like the only one that had a a really big mention was tap tap c which which i suppose would because you think about people who want to identify an object they're on their own at home absolutely quick access tap tap c is very popular but all the other popular apps are mainstream apps like facebook so uh, this this shows how in just in the last few years the whole thing about technology and assistive technologies has changed. So people now with vision impairment are more interested in mainstream technologies than they were in assistive technologies. Um, and this is now reflected is in, in changes to the way NCBI um, runs its support services and the kind of things that we need to train up on, the kind of technologies, the kind of uses we need to know about. Yeah, and I suppose there is an expectation, isn't there, when somebody gets in touch with NCBI and, and we all take calls from people and we speak with people every day that, that we will have this knowledge and that we know about these devices. Absolutely, yeah. Very important. 
I guess one of the last things that struck me as I read the survey uh, was some of our, our own colleagues in here just giving their experience of working with people using smartphones and that, again, going back to this transition, the people who've maybe moved to smartphones and you're saying to people, persevere, yes, it's very frustrating at the time and I remember myself moving to iPhone and I did it twice, by the way, I failed miserably the first time. You need to allow yourself that time to learn. That came across very clearly in your findings as well. It did, yes. It was um, certainly the te technology trainer's experience has been if people do persevere, they discover that smartphones are so useful that they're glad they did. And most people, I mean, nobody can learn everything about their phone and there are still difficulties, but most people, nearly everybody can learn enough to make it worthwhile, I think. All right, well, I, you have to wonder if you do this survey in another year and a half what our stats will look like. Um, well, that's what we intend to do. There's no point in doing a survey once. You need to do it multiple times so that you get the trends. Yeah, well, we look forward to checking back in with you about that again. For the moment, Mark, thanks a million for joining us. You're very welcome, Stuart. There's so many different ways nowadays to watch or indeed listen to TV, and you'll understand why I say listen in a moment. You can uh, watch, obviously, through your traditional television, uh, if you're on either a free-to-air or a Serview pack, or maybe you're a Sky or UPC subscriber. If you're living in Ireland, of course, there are lots of other packages available throughout the world. Netflix has become extremely popular over the last couple of years, but one of the reasons I personally didn't keep Netflix after doing the free trial was because there really isn't anything audio described on there, and I didn't feel that I watched enough TV. I know we talked about it in our house a little bit before we made the decision, but we didn't feel we watched enough TV to justify uh, the cost of the monthly um, subscription to Netflix. Something that has been around for a little while, in fact, it was something I wanted to show you a couple of months ago on the technology podcast and then it went away but it has come back and hopefully here to stay is a website called blindy b-l-i-n-d-y dot tv it's based in the u.s and it offers a number of channels that contain audio described programming it's totally free and there may be something on it for you um, depending on the type of programming that you like so i thought we'd have a quick look at blindy TV on the technology podcast. I'm sitting at my computer and let me activate the run dialog to open a website. Run dialog. Type the name of a program, folder, document, or internet resource. Okay, and we'll type www.blindy.tv and we press enter. Blindy TV taking the vision out of television, internet explorer, new tab page. If your media player doesn't support Okay, so uh, we have a page here with um, which is well constructed with headings and links. So let's explore this from the top and talk a little bit about what it does. Same page link, jump to navigation, blank, visited heading level one, link, blindy TV, heading level two about blindy TV. So here, let's read a bit about it. Blank, blindy TV is a charitable project created by blind people that believe that the blind should be able to enjoy the same television programming that entertains and contributes to the shared culture of their sighted family and friends. We contribute freely of our time and resources to provide a free described television programming service to those that are served by neither commercial products nor government programs. The current service provides a few channels of audio only, television programming and several genres, all with audio description. So it's audio only, which is why I mentioned listening to uh, TV programs at the beginning of this piece. Blank. If you'd like, you can. 
Link read more about Blindy TV and the people that bring it to you. Okay, so you can uh, do that yourselves if you want. You can read a bit about the web, uh, the website, the web service, and the people behind it. Blind to keep up to date with the latest Blindy TV news. You can follow Link Blindy TV on Twitter. Sign up for the Link Blindy TV email news list or subscribe to our Link RSS feed. Blank. So they have a number of ways there for you to keep in touch uh, with the project. If you need to contact someone at Blindy TV directly, you can use the link contact form. Blank. Heading level two now playing on Blindy TV. So here we go. This is what's currently playing, and you'll see how the channels work in a second. Blank. Link open audio TV playlist in your media player. The audio TV playlist allows you to browse through the all the channels that Blindy TV have. So you can there's there's actually three ways of doing this. You can listen to Blindy TV's channels using their built-in web player, or you can use your default media player. And I'm a bit of a Winamp head and I like to be able to really control my audio. So I usually use Winamp to listen to Blindy TV, but you don't have to do that. So you can listen to and open the Blindy TV chat playlist and flick through all the channels, or you can listen to specific channels, and we'll have a look at what's on now. Blank. Table with three columns and six rows. So this is a standard table, and we can use our table reading commands. In this case, I'm using JAWS, but if you have comparable commands in your screen reader, you can do that. Or we can just arrow through these. Clicking the channel name opens the channel's page in the web player. Clicking the listen link opens the channel in your media player app. So if you want to listen to the channel on the web player, you just press enter on the link to the channel um, or otherwise you can uh, press the external link to open the media player channel name now playing listen an external player link comedy the Simpsons goo goo guy pan link listen to comedy so that link listen to comedy would open the Simpsons in my external uh, player which by default is Winamp link drama revenge betrayal Link listen to drama. So we could open drama. Link sci-fi. Reaper no reaper left behind. Link listen to sci-fi. Link brain. How it's made individual transporter cedar canoes electric guitars incomplete. Link listen to brain. Link etc. I love Lucy Don Juan the shelf. Link listen to etc. Table end. So that's the type of channels you have. The, 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 the brain thing I think is something akin to the discovery channel. I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming. I haven't really looked at that. Uh, I tend to go for the drama but there is some good comedy Not stuff. It. So let's go back link, I, link, link, to the link, top link. of this and open the audio TV playlist in my media player. That will open the the full channel listing. New tab page. Open audio TV playlist in your media player. Visited link. Running security scan. Running security scan. Winamp 5.666 build 3516 unavailable. Retrieving playlist. Help Guide. someone who thinks all One. hope is gone. So now I'm in Winamp. I'm just going to turn down the volume of Winamp. Here's The Simpsons. One. The Simpsons. Goo Goo Guy Pad Blindy. TV comedy Winamp. Now I'm watching The Simpsons. Let's press B, which in Winamp is the key to move to the next file on the playlist, or this is the equivalent of changing the channel. No air conditioning on the subway. I wasn't thinking clearly. This is the comedy. Let's do um, in Jaws. It's insert and T to find out what's playing. Stand up comedy. Great Bill Burr. Blindy. TV drama. Winner. Okay. And if I press B again. For more, come to earthsky.org and search for the words Monster Star. Three. Commercial more Blindy. TV in the moment. Blindy. TV sci-fi. Winner. Sky is a clear voice for science. These are commercials. So this is presumably there's a program. Um, playing at the moment Last year, she's st- so we'll go to the next channel two inch pewter model armies this is a hobby you more. can't commercial more flighty tv in the moment good lunch mom Oops. billy your mouth more commercials the studio five flighty tv etc winner 
Well, do you think... Uh, do this you think is the Etc. channel. For a gag like that? Well, why shouldn't he? Well, I hear he's pretty bright. So I'll just press V to stop it. So I've been using my media player. Essentially, once I open that playlist, I can close my web browser if I want. If I want to listen to Blindy TV on using their web player, I can uh, do that as well. So it's um, a resource worth bookmarking, I think. We'll stick it on the show notes. If you want to have a play and watch something and see what they have, www.blindy.tv. You're listening to NCBI's Technology Podcast, and it's always interesting to find out what's going on in the world of research and teaching when it comes to assistive and mainstream technology. A couple of weeks ago, at an event run by Enable Ireland called the Community Design Challenge, I met a gentleman who's lecturing in Dunleary Institute of Art, Design and Technology, and we've managed to drag him into NCBI for a quick interview, and um, Ganesh, I hope I pronounced your name correctly, you're very welcome, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much, Stuart. Thanks for joining us. You're you're um, you're based in Dunleary, yes. um, and and you you do lots of interesting things because we've talked about you know for example um, screen reading and magnification, but we've talked about how people access a lot of multimedia radio production type of stuff. What sort of stuff do you teach first of all? Um, I, I teach it in the um, it's that kind of general area of um, media, multimedia, and uh, technology, but specifically it's it's the kind of electronic engineering, the hardware side. Um, it's all those things that are in the background, the wires and the t- microchips that um, help th- to create the studios and the uh, the television, the radio, the film, the media, st- the music studios um, that we that a lot of us will be will be using. So it's more the the te- the, the hands-on techie kind of side of things. Okay, and, and your own sort of background because you, you were telling me before you you've done DJing, you've, you've had an interest in sound engineering and production, all that kind of stuff, is that right? Uh, yeah, ki- kind of, um, a lot of that ha- stuff had been it, sort of in parallel with, with my main sort of um, uh, experience in, say, a- academia and, and, and uh, working world. So I did a d- degree in electronic engineering many years ago, and it was in association with... Um, um, a satellites company, a big satellite company in the UK. So I got an interest in communication systems that way, and then we went into then I went into work for um, um, transport telematics, which is that whole area of informatics for people to get from A to B and public transport that sort of thing. Okay, so so we're hearing a lot at the moment um, about how. Uh, media, how multimedia is delivered, and I mean, obviously, we had the old standard analog for TV, which was switched off, and then we had uh, digital TV. There's lots more people watching online. There was a bit of a, a, a move towards digital radio by the national broadcaster here. I don't think it was very successful. What, what's the kind of what's what's happening? What are the big things at the moment in the in the multimedia world that you're that you're seeing? Um, I think at the, at the moment, um, tele- television seems to be, play a fairly prominent role in the way um, medium, medium, the medium is going. It's kind of unexpected because one, one expected that, it was expected maybe a few years ago that there would be just a simple platform conversions of uh, audio, visual, um, interactive medias. But television is playing a more prominent role, I think, because um, of the capabilities of technology in delivering um, 
for uh, the next advanced four 4K digital systems and HDTV. Um, the, the, the surround sound that goes with that visual experience, it, um, if if and, and in, in itself a visual experience in itself being extreme, uh, sorry, an audio experience in itself being a very very important part of that that whole component to have. Um, sound that is delivered from say 72 speakers accompanying uh, very high definition 3D pictures um, and, and whether one can see those pictures or not one can get a very very good uh, emotional uh, feel to a particular context like the movie Gravity for instance is, is cut, was cutting edge okay. last year it, it, it's interesting isn't it because Nowadays, you hear, I mean, I know myself, I hear so many people talking about it. These are, you know, sighted people talking about, you know, buying their TV and I want something with good sound. Sound is becoming, and, and maybe I see it more so now, it's becoming an important, a very important element of that audiovisual experience that you just talked about. It, it is. I think because um, people are um, starting to realise that the, benef- the importance and benefits of, of a set of sound as a way of um, expression and uh, emotional, uh, in, in bringing that emotional r- rapport. Um, some of the best, but uh, some of the best pieces of music that you, that you hear are now a part of a whole package, say in in the cinema, but also um, in in themselves, orchestral um, mood music, environmental um, or audio. Those things in terms of changing people's moods, their attitudes, their their perceptions and sound healing it's all coming it's all coming to the fore now in one kind of area okay what what's what's happening in in radio because obviously we're listening to radio all the time radio has traditionally been a a medium that's been very accessible to people who are visually impaired i i myself have been involved lots of people have both on terrestrial and internet radio what's the future there What, what are you seeing at the moment um, I, I see that the the content um, we can we can maybe look at it in two ways. I think the content is is as much is as important and vibrant and continuing as it ever was in terms of say talk radio, uh, music radio. The delivery now has is significantly different in that it is it is nearly totally integrated within um, various uh, you know integrated operating systems and. Um, on one's mobile phone, um, in terms of um, a, ver- a variation of different platforms, and we're, ju- we're just thinking now of mobile phones and computers and things that desk or in our pockets. But in the future, uh, radio will be something that you can pick up from your shirt or something like that through yeah. devices. Yeah. So, so radio is going to change, I suppose, because it's not something that you have to maybe carry or maybe uh, consciously turn on it will just be more so with you yes and, and also, also um, radio will will um, will be in, will integrate with things such as um, location specific data and um, you'd be able to you'd, you'd be walking down the road and you would uh, you would have maybe a a, G, a, a GPS location uh, to go and visit something like um, some sort of a museum or, or an event or something and you would you would walk in and you would hear contextual information about what you're seeing but there's also potential for live interaction with a studio where there's someone actually talking about it 
um, you could you could find yourself with the future could be you actually find you're visiting somewhere and you, you suddenly you're in a live link with a radio wow program. I often feel Ganesh in the last couple of years that I'm never up to date with technology because it's moving so fast and I, I read a lot of tech blogs and I try to you know certainly read in the mornings before I come into work or when I get up and I never feel I'm up to speed is it is are things moving so fast is there so much happening at the moment um th- there is but you can kind of you can kind of get a sense it's it's um the detail can be quite mind-boggling in a way because you're looking at for quite complex software and hardware that's forever changing in new platforms and new ways of delivery um, and new um, communications technologies that are getting smaller and smaller but I think the essence of it, that it, it I think it's driving down towards a very very personal experience route that seems to be where it's going um, I, I think everybody whether they're technologists or non-technologists they see a, a convergence on, on the person and making radio for instance and audio as well as, as, as visual very a very personal experience in that you um, it becomes a part of you in a way that it never was um, and even a broadcast can become a part of you because there's 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 interactivity at all levels and that's the way it's going to kind of go I think somebody talked to me before about the idea that you know in the past it was sort of technology had to be learned by people and there was kind of there was only one way to do things and you had to jump through a lot of hoops and now it's more so you know people are demanding things of the technology and the technology is maybe becoming more flexible and it's designed to suit people so the learning curve is slightly different um it, it is. Uh, there's, there's less, and uh, there is an interesting balance occurring in that uh, although although there's a bigger and bigger demand for um, new technology, as you said, Stuart, there's also there's lots of open source um, technologies out there at which are becoming more and more accessible for people to to use. So, um, so, so more people are developing apps and add-ons and plugins than there ever were. And um, and so there's a bit of a self-service element to this as well, rather than it simply being them and us, the the the, the computer engineers and designers and the people. It's melding into one now. Mm. I, I had a conversation with someone a, a little while ago, and we were talking about the fact that mm. I guess I was talking to someone who's been around the the, the sector as I have for for a while now, mm. and that we're becoming less excited. Uh, by new technology because we don't find it as innovative is innovation are things a little stagnant or are we just not looking in the right places um, I think I think my only opinion is that I, I we could you could probably have a, it's a good discussion really I think because uh, I, I think there's some, there are people that think that there's always new innovation but I, I think there's a lot of it is a spin on, on old ideas I think there's got to be we've been talking in the office about there's got to be some sort of leap to something completely new just like when the mobile phone came in it was a, a big step change in, in the possibilities there's something new coming I think it's down the it, they used to what are called the ubiquitous computing room that kind of sensors in your shirt sensors in your in your head wide up well, I think that's where it, I think there's something going to happen big soon like uh, your fridge will be uh, telling you you know you're low on eggs I'll order some from Lidl yes yeah. well, well, did you hear the story <laughs> I'm about looking the, forward to that did, I really am did you hear about this, the, the fridge that was sending out spam emails no and uh, it got in, and it got, it got a, I think it got a virus and it, it jammed a few networks with n- not real spam of course but spam <laughs> 
So the so the um, the moral of the story, Ganesh, is don't upset your fridge. No, okay, because it can attack you. Okay, <laughs> look, we we could we could stargaze for ages, and it's lovely to talk to someone who's really on the cutting edge of research and, and just looking at what's happening. So thank you for giving us your time well, today. You. Uh, we'd certainly stay in touch, but for the moment, um, thanks a million, Ganesh. Well, thank you very much, Stuart. Now for some quick news snippets on this month's edition of our podcast. First of all, on the 15th and 16th of July, that's Tuesday and Wednesday, Site Village 2014 takes place. It's run, of course, by the Queen Alexandra College in Birmingham. And the location this year is the new Bingley Hall Hockley in Birmingham. It's been there for the last couple of years. It's a really good venue. I was there last year and I'm going again this year. And we'll have lots of recordings from Site Village in the coming months on our technology podcast. It's probably the UK's premier assistive technology exhibition. It's one that a lot of people from Ireland travel to, and they have a great range of exhibitors uh, this year. Well worth having a look at the website and planning your itinerary, I suppose, before you leave. We'll put a link to Site Village 2014 on our show notes. And then on Friday, the 18th of July at 10am here at our Rehabilitation Training Centre at NCBI on Whitworth Road, we're absolutely delighted to be welcoming Eric Damery from Freedom Scientific for a seminar all about the latest updates to JAWS and Magic. That's Freedom Scientific's screen reader and screen magnification software. As well as that, Eric will be a Available to answer questions from users and you'll have a chance to put any feedback to him. It's a really unique event to have Freedom Scientific here. We're very excited. I said it last month, I think, in my my personal opinion is that Eric, who's a fully sighted guy, uh, uses JAWS better than any blind person I've ever seen. And if you come for no other reason than just to see that, um, it's well worth attending. Uh, if you do want to come, please give me a shout, stuart.lawler at ncbi.ie. You do need to pre-register to attend this seminar because already places are filling fast. The location, once again, is the Rehabilitation Training Centre that's at the back of our main offices on Whitworth Road. And it starts at 10am on Friday the 18th of July and we'll finish at lunchtime. Now, just to remind you again, we love to hear from you comments, criticisms, suggestions, or indeed contributions for future additions to our podcast. Please email technologypodcast at ncbi.ie. Now, on the June edition of our podcast, I told you we were going to be having a bit of a GPS fest or GPS update, and I'm absolutely delighted on a beautiful summer's day with the window open in my office to be joined once again by Dave Nason. Welcome back, Dave. Happy to be here, Stuart. Thanks. Coming a regular event on our podcast, but it's all good. (laughs) Um, So, GPS update. There's been a few things happening on GPS lately. Let's talk first about a really interesting app um, called the RNIB Navigator, which started its life as the Seeing Eye GPS app, which was launched last year, I think. Isn't that right? Yeah, the Seeing Eye in America sponsored um, Sendero or helped fund Sendero to make an app for iPhone in the States. And it's just come over this side of the Atlantic now in the shape of RNIB Navigator for UK and Ireland. 
before we talk about what it does, and it is really important because some people were asking me, you know, why isn't there an app for Ireland? This app will look after Ireland. So if you get the RNIB Navigator, it is UK and Ireland. Yeah. Um, yes. They actually have updated that on the um, app description now. I pointed it out to them and they straight away added Ireland to the app description. So it is genuinely supported in Ireland. Okay. Now, the app is free to download. So this is mm-hmm. important to say. You download the app. There's no cost. You install it on your phone. Mm-hmm. What happens then as, 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 in terms of pricing? So then you have to subscribe to the service um, and you have three options. You can subscribe for one month for €8.99, for one year for €62.99 or for three years in one go at €109.99. So the longer you subscribe for, the, the cheaper, cheaper it, gets. it is. Okay. Uh, so I suppose when you're thinking about subscribing, you need to think, how, you know, how, how much am I going to use this? If you're a very frequent traveller, it might be very good. Exactly, yeah. And I would say straight off, I wouldn't just go for the one or three year. Try it for a month anyway yeah. first and then judge from there. But yeah, that way, I suppose you have the flexibility of using it the months that you're going to be traveling and not using it the other months. Okay. Now, a lot of the GPS apps I've used in the past, and I've, as you know, to be fair, I think I was just saying to you off air before we started, I've used more location-based apps. Mm-hmm. But they've given, I suppose, directions that are, whilst they're useful to me, they could be a lot more blind-specific, if I can use mm-hmm. that term. So I used to always say that, for example, the re- one of the reasons I really liked the Trekker was because it does give very, very blind-specific directions. And I think this was the aim with the RNB Navigator. Yeah, it was very much designed to be a full location and um, direction as well, all in one app for specifically blind users versus other apps. So if you were getting, I don't know, a bus somewhere, say you're coming to NCBI, you get off at Drumcondra Station there down at the end of the road here, do you think mm-hmm. you could sort of confidently, if you hadn't been here before and you were you were fairly confident with the, with the RNIB Navigator, would it get you here? I think it would, certainly more so than other ones I've used. I've used ma- mainstream um, direction apps that are voiceover accessible, but when you put in your address and say start, it won't say anything to you because it assumes you can see the screen and show where the arrow is pointing. Whereas this one will say, turn around, walk 10 metres, take a left. You know, it tells okay, you right so from the start directions. where to go. Yeah. It gives you a lot of information as you go, address updates as you're walking, how long till your next turn. And then it seems to be getting the turns correct as well. The okay. final location is all the always the issue is whether, you know, if you're using, say, Foursquare for the address... Um, if it's a point of interest then or even if it's a normal address whether the point is in the right place to okay. actually get you to is another issue but. Uh, How is it working in terms of are there points of interest already built into this device I mean we opened it here and, and just before we came on air and, and NCBI popped up are they, mm-hmm. they from Foursquare or is it using its own You've got two options so when you go into the points of interest section you can either enable the TomTom directory or the Foursquare directory okay. And you can switch as you wish between the two. I find, um, certainly in Dublin, I find Foursquare has a lot more points. But like I say, the only problem with that is the sometimes accuracy. the accuracy yeah. is dependent on who created, who created the, it, yeah. uh, the point and where they put it. Okay. Yeah. And can you create your own you know, points if you go somewhere you want to store it in, a f- uh, in your favourites to come back later on? They don't. Currently, you can type in an address now. Um, as well so it's not just points of interest you can just if you happen to know it's 33 Whitworth Road or something then you can type that in they don't currently have a favourites section Um, it's something that's on their list of um, feature requests but they haven't got to that yet Okay and what about the idea of sharing points of interest because sometimes GPS 
uh, it can be really useful when a number of visually impaired people need to go to the one place and if I've been somewhere and I want to share a point with you can I do that at the moment with this app? Not that I'm aware of. Okay, well, so let's maybe just have a look at what happens when you open the app, um, the opening screen and maybe some of the options that we have available to us. Yeah, so I've opened the app and now if I give it a shake on the home screen it'll do the same thing as when I first opened the app, so I'll just shake the device. Okay, so it actually came up nearest point of interest and it said not pro- n- non-profit in CBI. Yeah, and gives you your address. Uh, Bear in mind we're indoors, so yeah, it's yeah, the address right. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, and can you, could you virtualize, could you sort of navigate around the street here in virtual mode, say before you went out? And then, see what's around you yeah, kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the top right corner here, we have something called the look around wand. And the way this should work anyway is... So then as you turn... Okay, there's the Maples House Hotel, yeah, not too far from here. So as I'm turning around, it's kind of giving me different okay. things depending on what direction I'm pointing. This should also give me intersections, but at that this time intersections don't seem to be active here in Ireland. Okay, so you can sort of virtualize and look around you um, with the the wand feature. What about planning a route with with the RNAB navigator? Yeah, it's great for that as well. In that, if I put an address in to uh, walk a route now, um, as well as being able to then just lock the phone, put it in my pocket, and start walking and get um, the directions in my ear, I can actually go to route on the app and look through the entire route step step by step you know flick through the entire yeah. route before yeah. I actually leave um, so you can kind of get an idea of what you're going to be doing before you go which I think is a, a really nice feature as well yeah which is what every good I think blind let's call it for want of a better word blind GPS app should have I remember talking to mobility officers before and they find this kind of stuff really good that somebody can virtualize the entire route and you do get a bit of a shape of it in your head mm-hmm. and then obviously you can go out and the phone can be talking to you as well yeah exactly it's uh, definitely a big part of the app as well what's it like using it on a say a bus or in a car does it have a does it can it flick into you know a bit like what blind square can do can sort yeah. of it picks up your so what it does if you're walking in, or sorry if you're um, doing a route so if you're taking turn by turn directions it will offer you ask you do you want to do it as a pedestrian as a vehicle or as a bicycle or in what they call getting warmer mode which doesn't give you directions but just tells you as you're kind of oh, approaching yeah, yeah. Uh, so there are your four options so yeah it does work for pedestrians and for vehicles okay so for example I'm thinking you know you're on a bus and you you're maybe you know you're getting close to your area and you mm-hmm. might be able to look at some of the points of interest around you as you're getting there yeah um, or maybe you could even uh, in time have your bus stops built into it as well yeah a lot of the bus stops are actually on Foursquare as well I've noticed so it's on the uh, the app store called RNIB Navigator mm-hmm. uh, free to download and then as you say you decide your purchase plan and, and if you go for the try out the monthly option first uh, and that's a, an in-app purchase I presume it is indeed yeah and it's not recurring so when your month ends it won't charge you again oh, okay. unless you tell it to very good okay and that's actually good as well mm-hmm. so at least you have the option then 
So that's RNIB Navigator. Definitely well worth having a look at. We'll put a link to that on the show notes. The other thing we wanted to talk about in our GPS update was some updates to BlindSquare. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked to you before about BlindSquare, Dave, and we've talked to Ilka, the BlindSquare developer. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's been happening in the version 2, a major upgrade, update to BlindSquare? So yeah, BlindSquare is an app that will kind of give you details of the what's around you. So it's a, a location app. Um, it'll tell you points of interest, your current street, um, intersections as you approach them, that kind of thing. Um, and it's a very good way of using it is if you have, say, a headset on um, as you're walking and your phone is locked in your pocket, it'll tell you, your, it'll update your address. If you have points of interest turned on, it'll tell you those points of interest as you go by them and, like I say, announce intersections. Um, he's added a new feature that now if you wanted to get an, to request some information from Blind Square as you're walking. You don't know anymore have to take the phone out of your pocket and unlock it and shake it for an update or select go through the menus and find what you're looking for. He's actually got it working now with the remote control that's on uh, Apple earphones and Apple supported earphones. So you press the remote control button and it'll list through a menu things like current location, what's around me, even things like time and weather and you press the button again when you wanted to um, to go into that section and it'll announce the information it's really uh, that's really ingenious isn't it like, yeah it's, it's very very great clever. way to use that device so he's hooked into the kind of the media controls yeah. part of iOS um, to do this so it's really clever how what he's done there and I am that's that came out about a month ago and uh, it's working I'm finding it's working really well have you used blind square and the RNIB navigator kind of in combination or do you tend to use one or the other you kind of have to use one or the other. RNIB okay. Navigator, one of the one big things with RNIB Navigator is the idea behind it is to both do the kind of Navigon style turn by turn directions and routes for which it's brilliant, but also that it can do what Blind Square does. At time of recording, I'm finding it doesn't do that side of things as well as Blind Square yeah. here in Ireland. I know the intersections and things aren't being announced, and I've been in touch with the guys and they said they're getting that un- uploaded and hopefully that will improve but right now I would say Blind Square does what Blind Square does better <laughs> Okay, yeah. but uh, RNAB does some of that it'll certainly give me points of interest around you as well as you walk and um, it does the kind of getting warmer feature and things like that as well so you wouldn't use them together because they're kind of duplicated well GPS is probably a, a thing that you're definitely going to use if you're heading out the summer weather is lovely so a great time to test out Absolutely. some of these new offerings from RNIB and uh, Blind Square and just the, the Blind Square app again just remind us something around 24, 25, 26 euros 26 currently okay. it's, um, so I know it's it's a one-off payment though yeah, yeah so it's two different directions but I know and it's probably fair to say with Blind Square and I've had the app for probably six or seven months there are a lot of updates and the updates yeah. come out very quick so they are I think in fairness to them you get a lot of what do they say bang for your buck you do indeed and he's always willing to take feature requests and that kind of thing and um you know, we're, he released 2.0 version in May and he was already up to 2.2 now. So Can't complain about that? No. Nope. All right. Well, Dave, uh, enjoy the fine weather and you're navigating with GPS. And thanks, thanks for giving much. us the update. Thank you.
And that's just about all we have time for on this month's edition of our technology podcast. Uh, many thanks to this month's contributors, Mark, Ganesh and Dave. And items that we discussed and links and more details are available on the show notes for this month's episode. So do check those out. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing some of you, I hope, at the Freedom Scientific event here at NCBI on Friday, the 18th of July. And if you're going to Site Village, enjoy the exhibition. Coming up on our August edition, amongst other things... Eric Damery will be with me, giving us a sneak peek as to what's new in JAWS version 16. Until then, have a great month. This is Stuart Golder saying thank you for listening and goodbye. <laughs>